All right. Well, we are dangerously close to a new a new year. I hope you're excited. 2018. Nobody. All right. Nobody. It's. Uh, I was excited. I looking back on my life, I wasn't even sure I'd make it this far. But it's it's awesome. I mean, we had the whole Y2K thing, and then there's the Mayan calendar thing. I mean, it's just amazing that we're all here. So I'm excited for this new year. I don't know how your mind works, but what I like to do at the end of the year is reflect on the previous year, the things that I accomplished that I set out to accomplish. Maybe some of the things that I didn't accomplish that I hoped I'd accomplish, and then I also kind of like to plan for the the next year and and set some goals. I realized a long time ago there's a difference between what I want now and what I want the most. And so I've got a plan for those things, which uh, just out of curiosity, anybody else with me, anybody setting some goals, some New Year's resolutions this year? Uh, I see three, four hands. Okay, well, maybe something you might think about set some goals for 2018. Statistically speaking, 50% of Americans generally set a New Year's resolution. But uh, as I was thinking about what I wanted to accomplish in the future, it kind of got me wondering what other people set up for goals or what they thought the future for them might look like. And there were some people like me who got it drastically wrong. I want to share a couple of these with you. Alex Loit, president of Loit Vacuum Company in 1955, said, nuclear-powered vacuum cleaners will be a reality in 10 years. That's probably why you've never heard of Loit Vacuum Cleaners uh, before. That's clearly not happening. In a 1949 issue of Popular Mechanics, they predicted that computers would eventually only weigh 1.5 tons, down from the 30 tons they weighed at that time, which is, uh, we're now in ounces, okay, so that's clearly wrong, but they were close. Uh, Number three, Vogue magazine ran an article in 1939 that said men of the next century, so us, will revolt against shaving and wear a beautiful beard. I wish I could. Uh, His hat will be an antenna snatching radio signals out of the air. His socks will be disposable and his belt will hold all his pockets ever did. Now we saw that. It was the fanny pack, right? I mean, that was one of the greatest inventions of the century. But get this, 10 years later, so 1949, they run another article about women. They said, women will be more than six feet tall, wear an 11 size shoe, and have shoulders like a wrestler and muscles like a truck driver. Now that's, that's not far off. Right? I mean, I've, I, I, they missed the whole antenna on the hat thing, but six feet tall women, they got that right. That's my wife. She's, she's six feet tall. I, I, when we first started dating, I found this, this picture in her mom's basement of her playing basketball, and she had just rebounded the ball or something like that. She, it looked like she was about to pop the ball. She had put her, uh, you know, uh, shouldered it and chinned it and got it there and her arms were all muscle. And so this is very describing of what it looked like. Uh, 
A funny story, we, we were playing uh, basketball at the Newton Rec Center. We used to, to play noon ball is what they, they called it. And generally, my wife and my sister were the only two girls that would play. And if you happened to be the worst guy on the other team, then generally you had to guard the girl. That was kind of how it worked. Well, uh, this particular game, this little tiny guy was guarding Laura and she strong arms him and like one-handed rebounds a ball and then just scores it right back on him. And I was just like, how humiliating for, <laughs> for that brother. But it's kind of ironic because then when people ask me, you know, they're like, how do you ask Laura to marry you? I was like, ask? Shoot. I mean, she told me to marry her and I fearfully agreed. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, that's how that, how that works. Six feet tall. Women, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, muscles. So, what was I talking about? <laughs> futures. Futures is where I was at. I love you, babe. <sighs> Somebody might have to give me a ride home if anybody wants to. <laughs> Here's what I know. On some level, we all care about our futures. We want to, to think about them and we want our lives to matter and we think about change and we want it to, to be for the better. We want the, our lives to be lively and, and impactful and we want to feel like we're moving forward on this journey of life. Yet the problem is of those 50% of Americans who set re- resolutions, only 8% of them will actually keep that resolution for the full year. So what's the disconnect? If we want this positive change to happen in our life, yet only 8% of people are willing to do what it takes to accomplish it, then, then what can we learn today to actually set some goals and actually see those things come to fruition in 2018? What can we do to reverse the tide? Well, the good news is that there's a lot of research out there. There's a, a vast array of people who have studied this idea. And uh, with the advent of the MRI machine, researchers, researchers have been able to scan people's brains and demonstrate that your brain works differently when you do this one small thing. And it can change your life. The best news for you today is that the I've compiled all this research for you, so the mere fact that you showed up to church today puts you at an unfair advantage than all of your counterparts who didn't. So uh, are you ready for this? One small thing, a huge difference in your life. Here's what they found. Dartmouth and Harvard researchers. So best of the best sort of people showed that when people have a positive peer pressure or positive reinforcement from another person, they were over 70% likely to accomplish the task laid out before them. 70% more likely to do whatever it was that the researchers told them to do. In another study, they found that in a school in downtown Atlanta, they started teaching students how to do this positive peer pressure, things with like homework and reading and behavior in class. It drastically cut their numbers of truancies and suspensions. Now, the scientists would attribute this to the uh, evolution, pack, animal pack mentality sort of thing, strength in numbers, right? But the Bible has been teaching this same idea for thousands of years, that we're better together, that uh, there's more you can do when you surround yourself with the right 
people doing things that is, the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. Meaning you can accomplish more when uh, you're, you're with somebody else. So whatever it is you're trying to do, whether you're trying to lose weight or stop some kind of addiction or get out of debt, whatever it is, the bottom line is if you do this one th- small thing, which is bring somebody into your life that can positively impact you, you are more likely to succeed than if you're trying to accomplish something by your own sheer willpower. That being said, I know some of you are thinking, well, pastor, that's good information, but I'm not going to set any goals this year. I've learned that if you have no expectations, then you can never be let down. Like if you set the bar really low, like, like on the ground low, you can just step over the bar and then you'll never uh, have to, to do anything hard. Okay. That's not necessarily horrible advice, except for the fact God has laid out for us a mission that we are supposed to accomplish while we're on this earth. And can I just tell you, it's a monumental task. If you brought your Bible, I hope you did. I want to show you this, what God has laid out for us. Some goals that He's given us. Go ahead and grab your Bible. You want to turn to the back, a place called Matthew. It's titled after its author, Uh, Find the New Testament. Look for some guys' names. You'll find Matthew there. You want the big number 28 when you find Matthew. Just to catch us all up, the first 27 chapters in Matthew, we find that Jesus is born in Bethlehem to a virgin girl named Mary and her fiancé Joseph. Talked about that last week, if you're curious how all that happened. Uh, find it online. Joseph was a carpenter, and so Jesus was helping him for roughly 30 years, and then he gets baptized by his cousin John. Once that happens, Jesus begins a ministry. He finds 12 guys, and over the next three years, he teaches these 12 men everything they could possibly need to know about God and who God is and how to live on this earth in light of who God is. But after this three years, Jesus was arrested and executed, put in a grave. But then one day, Actually, three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, and shortly before He ascends back into heaven, He gives these directions to His followers, and in a very real way, He gives them to us as well. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen: Go and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the world. In other words, Jesus set some future goals for His disciples and for us. He says you need to go into all the world and make disciples, baptize them, teach them everything God has commanded. It's a monumental task. They probably were thinking, well, how do we do that? We're probably thinking, okay, Jesus, how do we do this? And what you need to hear me say is in large part, the method is not important. The method can change. The message, however, the gospel, we see that play out uh, over and over in Scripture. Now, there's one method in particular that shouldn't change. We read about this in Acts chapter 2. So if you would, turn just a few pages to your right. You're in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts is how it will go. You want to find Acts chapter 2. The, the super thing, cool thing about Acts 2 is that what we're about to read, you can transfer these 
principles into any area of your life. Not just the great commission that Jesus laid out for us to accomplish, but literally anything that you want to get better at, anything you want to achieve this year, if you'll do this one small thing, which is bring somebody into your life that can help you, as we're about to read in Acts 2, you can accomplish whatever it is you want to accomplish. Let's look at it. It reads, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Verse 47. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved couple things that I want to point out to you. But first of all, if you're taking notes, you might want to jot this down. What you do depends wholly on who you do it with. What you want to accomplish this year in 2018 will depend wholly on who you do it with. You've probably heard me or someone else say, I know I've stole it from somebody. I can't remember who, who, but you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Because it depends wholly on what you want to accomplish. It depends wholly on who you are trying to do it with. Nobody's going to take weight loss advice from somebody who's morbidly obese. Nobody's going to take financial advice from somebody who lives in their van down by the river, filed bankruptcy multiple times, right? I mean, nobody wants to play for a coach who's never won a game. Yet more often than not, People are willing to take advice from somebody who tell us what we want to hear versus someone who's been when, where we're at and they say, hey, here's where this leads. Amen, somebody. It's a hard truth. But listen to me, what you, depends, what you do depends entirely on who you do it with. Who are you surrounding yourself with? It sounds like a small thing, and it is, but even science has proven that your friends matter. That who you do life with, it matters. Now, because we're in church, and I'm a pastor, I want to narrow our focus a little bit to 2018 being something about spiritual growth. I'm hoping that by the sheer fact that you're here today, you're interested in what to learn about how God can change your life. So uh, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, first of all, let me just say I'm glad that you're here. When we planted this church four years ago, we wanted to be a place that would be safe for people to explore God and, and figure out for themselves who God is and how God can use them in their life. Really, when I first thought of planting a church, I, I knew I wanted to be a place that I could invite my friends that were not Christian and they wouldn't feel awkward about coming in the doors and they wouldn't feel judged or any of those things. And so I hope if that's you today that you find this to be your experience, that we're a safe place for you to explore God. Really, that's my goal. But 
you're going to get a chance right now, if you're not a Christian, to kind of listen in on a family meeting. I'm going to primarily be speaking to Christians today. Nonetheless, I hope you can uh, get a few nuggets for your life, because I honestly believe that you can do these things and, and really change your life, and you still don't have to accept Christ, although that is my goal for you. So yeah, I have a plan for you being here today, and I want you to hear about Jesus. But uh, I want you to all think about something. This group of believers here in Acts that we just read about, they did not have the internet. They did not have Netflix or Right Now Media or publishing houses or even the printing press, for that matter. They did not have Beth Moore teaching them women's studies. They did not have Matt Chandler preaching amazing sermons. And yet... People were effectively ministered minister to, and the gospel spread like wildfire, so much so that 2,000 years later, here we are, worshiping God. How? How did they do it when they had none of the resources that we had today? Well, it's all right here in the first verse says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to prayer. In other words, because they connected to people and connected those people to a central teaching, and then they held those people accountable to how they were living their lives, lives and futures were changed. We're here today because of what these people accomplished and what they accomplished depended exclusively on who they accomplished it with. See, one of the common misconceptions around Christianity and within spiritual growth and discipleship is that it's a linear process. If you'll just do X and Y, it's going to lead to Z. You take this step and this step is going to be to this step. You're, you're good to go if you'll just do these things, but that's not actually how life works. Spiritual growth is up and down and all around. Rarely is it ever step by step, and that's for character development, anything in life. Rarely does it just go the way you want it to go. But if you'll center yourself around this one small thing and who you're doing life with, It can drastically change the results of your life. Furthermore, when most people think about church, they think of a building or a service. How was church? People will ask you. They'll say, well, let's go to church. But the truth of the matter is, church isn't something you go to. It's a relationship you belong in. Two of you were with me this morning. I'm going to say that again because that was really good. Church is not something that you go to. It's a relationship that you belong in. God wants you in His family. He wants you to be part of this relationship. Thank you, son. (laughs) Acts 2.44 And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity. They had two meetings in a week. They did what we do. They went to the temple, had a big common worship service. But then they also went to people's homes. With great joy and generosity, they went to other people's homes. They shared meals together. 
Why? Because church isn't a place you go to. It's a relationship you belong in. I'm sure you know that learning together is always more effective than just learning by yourself. Was that not your experience in school? I mean, wouldn't it have been awkward if it was just you and the teacher? That would have been horrible. I would not have gone back to that class. What are you getting at, Pastor? Are you saying that my Bible reading time and my prayer is not as good by myself as if it would be if I'm uh, around other people? I'm not saying that. The Bible just said that for me, so I didn't have to. That's absolutely what it's getting at. That who, what you want to accomplish in this life depends wholly on who you are doing your life with. Look, think about this. If you're on your way to, to go eat a chicken fried steak after church today because God gave us dominion over animals and the knowledge on how to fry them, Praise Jesus for that. So if you're going to to go grab something to eat, but on the way you happen to see a traffic accident, who's going to have more details of the event? You, or if there were 10 people around who also saw the event? It would be my contention that in this case, 20 eyes are going to be better than two. The same is true of Bible study. I know that sometimes when I'm most equipped to preach to you are the times when Laura is asking me questions about things that she's read, things that I've never thought about. Believe it or not, I'm not a girl. I don't... That was a joke. (laughs) Don't use the girl joke. Got it. Uh, But I don't think the way she thinks. I don't think the way others of you think. We had different paths growing up. We had different things that we have done. We each bring a unique perspective, whether we like it or not, to what we're reading in Scriptures, which means the more conversation you can have on something within the Bible, the better received the information is going to be. What does this mean for you moving forward in 2018? Well, two things. Number one, you really need to get in a small group here at New Anthem, which I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Pastor, I don't know about all this. I've heard small groups can be weird, and there's candles and like chanting, and people are wearing robes, and uh, they're going to ask about my feelings, and I don't want to talk about my feelings. I don't even know these people. I'm just, I'm just not in to that hippie, dippy nonsense. Listen, neither am I. Okay, if that was what small group looked like, we would not be having the group. Uh, Let me tell you exactly what you can expect from a small group, which we get right here from Acts chapter 2. It said, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the Bible. So we're going to have some Bible time. And then it says, and to fellowship, which is just hanging out to meals. That's, That's what we do. And then it says, and to prayer. So our small groups literally entail those things. You're going to get together. You're going to fellowship. You're going to hang out. You're going to eat some food. Because how many of you all know a small group without food is not a small group that I want to be at. Okay? Uh, you got to have some good food at the group. And it's going to be fellowship. And it's going to be a time where we study the Bible together. There's no extra books to read. There's no extra videos that you have to watch. Really, what's going to happen January 21st when we kick off small groups, by the sheer fact that you attend the weekend service, you're going to be ahead. 
Because what you're going to get when you walk through the doors is going to be a sermon study guide. It's going to have some questions that a group of people are going to come up with. And all you got to do is take 10 minutes out of your week to answer those questions so that when you go to group, you can be equipped to talk about what you heard on Sunday and what, what we push you to read in the Bible on your own time to see how this connects with other things which in the great story of Scripture. That's what small group is going to look like. You're going to eat. You're going to talk. You're going to hang out. Well, that sounds easy enough, Pastor, but I just don't have time to commit to something like that. No, you don't have time not to. Seriously. Say it another way. If you want to get what no one else is getting, you've got to do what no one else is doing. And it's often the small things that nobody sees that result in the big things and big changes that everybody wants. I can just speak for my own personal life and I can promise you it was when Laura and I got into a small group that my life drastically changed. Small group is that small thing that can result in a big difference. But I get it. You're busy. I totally understand that. So here's what we have done as leadership. We've made small group three 10-week sessions. There's a winter 10 weeks. There's a spring 10 weeks. The summer you're off because everybody's on vacation. Great. Go have fun. Go to the lake. Come back and then kick it off in the fall with our fall session. We'll be done by Thanksgiving. If you do the math on that, that's only 30 weeks out of your 52 weeks that we're asking you to participate in something. Furthermore, at the end of each one of those 10 weeks, you have an opportunity to get out. You might have something come up. You might not gel with the group. We'll put you in a different one. You don't have to sign up in blood, okay? There's no Kool-Aid to drink or anything like that. You just got to show up, be a part of the group for 10 weeks. At the end of the 10 weeks, you can get out if you need to get out. We'll get you into another group. So, moving forward, you should sign up today for a small group. Be committed to it when we kick it off for January 21st for 10 weeks. That's all I'm asking you to do. Well, Pastor, I've got these kids. Man, these kids. I've I got practice and all that. So, yeah, I'm, I get it. Uh, I want to be there. Listen, I was a coach for nine years. I'm all about sports. Please get your kids into some of those things. But I I just wonder what would happen if the best gift we could give our children isn't that full ride scholarship that almost none of your kids are going to get, but rather is it the simple but profound gift of a growing mom and dad? Come on, somebody. Like, Like what if... What would happen if our children saw mom and dad getting ready, regularly studying their Bibles to prepare to go to somebody else's house to talk about God and learn how to pray and hang out? Maybe our kids wouldn't leave the church in droves and serve a false god of sex, money, sports, and success. You know what I'm talking about? Please, God, help us with our children. This could be the way to do that. It can be a, you want a future? You want your life to matter? Then help your kids become an effective member of society. But I digress. Bottom line, 
if you want to have the best year of your life, the first thing that you should do is sign up for a small group. It's a small thing. It could be a huge difference in your life. But some of you, you need to do something besides just sign up for a small group. You need to host a group. Hold on, Pastor. I was with you up until that point. Okay? Can't do that. I've only been a Christian like 30 years now. Got a lot to learn. Can't, can't disciple anybody. Listen, hosting is just a simple acronym. Okay? Here's what you need to have if you want to host a group here at New Anthem. Number one, you've got to have H, a heart for people. Like, do you care about people? Do you care that their futures are at stake? Do you want to help see people grow? Do you have a heart? Oh, can you open up a location? Doesn't have to be your home. Could be an office space. Could be our office space. Could be a Starbucks, wherever you can meet. Can you O, open a location? S, can you serve a snack? Can you serve a snack or get people within the group to also serve a snack? Because as I already mentioned, food is a big deal to the small group. So can you serve a snack? At T, can you talk through some questions? That's it. I can teach you everything you else you need to know about hosting a group, but if you can do those things, you can lead a group here at New Anthem. And, and the big thing is, we need a lot more hosts to start hosting some groups because we have a lot of other people signing up for groups. And uh, some of the groups are getting too big, and we need people to step in and start hosting a group. That could be you today. And again, you can sign up using your connection card to say, you know what, Pastor? I feel like God wants us to host a group. But as we close this morning, I want you to see something of vital importance. Okay, this is such a big, big deal. First Peter 2.5 reads, And you are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. What's more, you are His holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Now you can see, according to Peter, I'm not the pastor. You are. You're the spiritual priests that God is building up. My job, according to Ephesians 4.12, is to equip you to be a better pastor. And I want you to be the best pastor you can be. And the only way I know how to do that is to surround you with other people who are on the same journey with you that can help you, that you can do life together with. And you get such a strong support system that it's so helpful to you, you can't pull away without some serious peer pressure trying to pull you back. Because what you do depends wholly on who you do it with. Do me a favor. Just give me 12 months. Give me your 2018. Go through next. Start serving on a team. But most importantly, get into a small group. And if at the end of that year, your life isn't noticeably better, I will go to another church with you because I have just failed you as your pastor. I just so believe that these are the things that you can put into your life. Small things that can make a huge difference in your life. 
but it's going to depend largely on who you do life with. Small things, big difference. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you for giving us the opportunity just to come and hear from your word. God, we believe that you designed the world and how it should work, and we just want to align ourselves with what you say we should do. God, I believe that you asked us to not do life alone, to bring wise Christian counsel into our lives. So I just ask that you compel each person, God, do what only you can do. Help them to feel this yearning in their soul for life change to have a better 2018, to believe that the best is yet to come, but help them get into a group. Speak to those here this morning that need to sign up to lead a group, God. You've called us each to be pastors according to this passage in Peter, that we are your royal priesthood. We believe that. So God, help each person be better equipped to be a pastor for somebody around them. God, we're so thankful for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus. We believe that it's a free gift offered to each person here today to choose to follow your son, Jesus. God, help us as we leave this place today to live for you. Help us figure out who can be a part of our life, even when small groups aren't in session, that we can go to and speak to and and help get advice from. God, I believe the local church is the hope of the world, and I thank you for this group of people, these relationships that we all belong to. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Just a reminder, as we take offering today, one of the things that we like to do at New Anthem is just give away our last offering of the year something that we've done the past few years. We've given it to a number of different organizations, but today we're going to give it to Bolivia. And uh, as you probably heard, that we'll match up to $5,000, whatever you all give today, uh, to help plant this church in Bolivia. So uh, pray about it. Give generously. uh, But I would love to see us be able to to hit that $5,000 mark. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.